0: Listening to Drop in the Gloves with former NHL All Star John Scott,
1: a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. A nice Friday morning. Tim, how are you, my friend? You look a little tired. Why don't you tell everyone why you're tired?
1: I'm not tired. I'm ready to go, John. Thank you. You've
0: yawned three times since we've been on this call. Now, tell everyone why you're tired. What you just told me. I find it very funny.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm dog sitting slash house sitting for my aunt and uncle who are down in Georgia for a wedding. And the dog stepped on the bed with me last night. And it's just constantly rolling around and moving and waking me up like every 20, probably it felt like every five minutes. I don't know how long it was, but I just didn't get a deep night's sleep last night.
0: So did it ever cross your mind to just kick the dog out of bed?
1: He does He won't go. He won't. I mean, I could kick him, but then I don't know. I love him too much for that. Place him <laughs> on the ground gently, not kick him. But, just... but then he, he climbed back up as soon as I fell asleep.
0: It's the definition of a beta
1: male where the dog knows he
0: just runs your show.
1: (laughs) At one point he was sprawled like, and it's a small bed. It's a twin bed. And I'm just like against the wall and it's like trying not to fall through the crack. And then I I moved him then. I didn't move him then.
0: Tim, Come on. Assert your dominance. It's a dog for Pete's sake. Like, let's go (laughs) have some (laughs) self-respect. (laughs)
1: i love him man i don't know
0: and you're just dog tired pun intended that's so funny but let's let's try to let's pick it up let's let's go there's there's a lot to talk boy this blackhawks thing it feels like um remember a couple years ago the whole me too movement in hollywood how all the actors were just every day it was like somebody else was getting reported and it feels like that a little bit now not to that extent of like total systematic just failure, in in when it was coming out in Hollywood, where it seems like everybody had their apartness, It it's it's unraveling for the Hawks a little bit, and I think the digger, the deeper we dig, the worse it's going to look. And Quinville got, did he resign or did he get let go? I always, it's always a cloudy situation. You know, Batman, they talked, he had to sit down with Gary. And I'm sure Gary broke it down like this. He said, listen, you're either going to get fired or you can walk away on your own terms, which I never have understood why someone has that option. You know, if you're guilty of something, you should fire him. I don't know if there's something to do with the salary or if there's something to do with that side of the business side of it, where if you resign, you don't get your salary or if you quit or if you're suspended, if they for I don't know. We'll, we'll never know what, how the conversation truly went, but they talked, and predictably, Joel stepped down last night, and he's done. He's coached his last game, coached the Panthers to a win over the Bruins, I believe it was, and that'll be it. It, it. it will be interesting to see if he gets another chance in the NHL. He is one of the most winningest coaches in NHL history. He was my coach. We'll see what happens with him. So that was another domino that fell. They're interviewing the players now. Kane, Taves, current players on the Hawks who were around in 2010, they came out and made statements. There's a lot of, um, it's very foggy. You know what I mean? There's so many different sides of this story that are coming out where that's the part of it that I don't like. That's the part of it that makes me question everything because it seems like everybody has a different story. Everybody has a different um memory of how things went down and then of course Kyle Beach he released his statement he had a great interview with TSN Kyle what's what's uh who who do you get whatever some guy i never heard of on TSN he great interview and if you haven't seen it watch it very very sad tragic but just like just captivating so he he made his statement he basically laid out like everybody's lying all the players knew about it i was bullied all the management knew about it And it just contradicts everything that everybody said. Q said he didn't know anything about it. All the players said they didn't know anything about it. All the management said they were mum on the whole situation. And it just throws all that. And it just says, you guys are all lying. So that's the part that I don't like. I, I hate when people try to trick you, fool you, lie to you. And if that's truly the case and we don't know, I'm going to take Kyle's word for it because he, listen, what does he have to gain out of all this? He's just basically spewing his guts to the whole world right now. And it's a very tough subject. So if these guys are lying and they knew about it and then they subsequently lied, you know, to the media, to the investigation, like that's, you should lose your job and you should never, gosh, never is such a long time you should be gone for a long time and we'll, we'll see what happens them. Usually in a situation like this, nobody will touch you. So we'll see how it works out, but yeah, Johnny and Patty and those guys who are making these statements, they're directly contradictory to other players statements who are saying, yeah, everybody knew. So what is it? Did everybody know Did nobody know? Did some people know I wasn't on the team at that point? So I, I wasn't there. Who knows? What do you, you are you're an insider on everything you're you're reading all these comments and we've talked about this quite a bit it's like everybody's statements clash with everybody else's statements and some guys made a statement you know months ago and now their statement's completely different that that's the part that it's just like come on man like just tell the truth well, I don't know what do, what do you think is going on in Chicago
1: well as you know I'm a Blackhawks insider so I've been working my sources all week and I what's what's striking to me is that the players coaches management any team members who are still in the league are telling one story. And everyone who's retired or was moved on from the NHL is telling a completely different story, which tells me like there's an agenda there. Like there's there's a reason for that, right? Like guys are trying to save face, they're trying to protect themselves, whatever. I don't know. I mean, if Duncan Keith had retired three years ago, would he be telling a different story than he's telling right now? There's no yeah, way I to know. Right? There,
0: there's a personal preservation involved in this where you know potentially you're going to have to around the way encounter these guys again and they could control your future again. So there is that power dynamic, or if you're Patrick Kane or taser or dunks and it's like, well, gosh, what if this guy's a GM on a team now? And I completely threw him under the bus and told the truth. And I'm not, that's one last team I could potentially work for. And we see in Chicago, all these players work for Chicago once they retire, you know, and they have a loyalty to that team. And if you all of a sudden go scorched earth and tell the truth and just bury all these guys, that opportunity is out the window. You know, you're you're not a legend in Chicago anymore. You're not going to get your statue outside the rink. You are just cut ties with Chicago completely, and it makes it even more difficult if you still play for the team and are under contract for a few more years like um, Patty and Johnny is. So we uh, will never know the full truth, I guess. You know, there's, there's obviously – you know his story. What happened? What was out there? And there's a truth is somewhere intertwined in there. But I think for for this sake, you have to take Kyle's word for it. Like he he's obviously the victim. He had this terrible thing happen to him. And why would he lie? Like he's gaining nothing from it. I don't think he enjoys seeing people lose their job and get outed. I think he I think he doesn't feel you know any kind of joy in that. Like I said, but man. I don't like that. I, I don't like how there's contradictory stories and people's stories change. And you nailed it. The guys who are retired, everybody knew, man. Everybody talked about it. it. It was widely known in that locker room. And the guys who are still playing, oh, I had no idea. So maybe there's some truth to that. Some guys knew and other guys didn't. And obviously, when you're in a playoff run, you're, you're laser focused on the playoffs. And Johnny, more than anybody, is captain serious. He, he locks in on the game and maybe he just didn't know. And that could be the truth. And when guys speak, they speak in generalities. They say, oh, everybody knew, you know, it, everybody, everybody was in on it. It's like, well, not everybody knew. Maybe not everybody was in on it. Maybe just you and your group. If you were, you know, paling like Danny Carcillo was paling around with Brent Sopel and they knew about it. And like, who knows? I don't know. I know all these players. I haven't reached out to talk to anybody. I don't want to. Maybe I'll find out one of these days, but right now it's just, I don't know. I think everybody needs to get fired who knew about it and who didn't act on it. I think the NHL is doing the right thing. Um, The $2 million fine was, I think, a joke. You know, I think it was very like slap on the wrist-ish. The Warts family is worth billions of dollars. The Coyotes got, what, a first-round draft pick taken away? for you know scouting mishaps where they maybe talk to a a recruit or a potential player earlier than the than the window they were allowed so i don't know And and it's hard to yeah what's the just punishment for this type of crime it's it's a decade in the past like how do you levy a suspension that happened 10 years ago it's just who knows like do they ding them now Uh, for a guy who was a video coach, who was just a terrible human being. It's such a, I don't envy Gary Bettman's job when it comes to situations like this, because there's no right answer. You levy him a four, four next four years, first rounder is gone. It's like, well, is that the right track? I I don't know. But anyways, we'll see. There's, there's more fallout from this to come. They got to deal with shovel day off. I'm sure he'll have a meeting with Bettman soon. I, I envision him being gone as well from Winnipeg. And then, this, things will slowly start to trickle out i i imagine this so this will be a year-long thing where just more information more stuff will come out more players will remember things and you know and more things will come to light and reporters will do their digging and this is not the end of this situation tim. that's all i gotta say but um it, it's it's good that it's out in the open i guess
1: you know you know what i mean tim Agreed. Agreed. And then with all this, you know, drama and distraction, we called it the Blackhawks lost yet another game the other night too to a a team that was kind of struggling as well. Did you catch that one?
0: Oh, of course I did. That was much watch must watch hockey. It's funny. I was rooting for the Blackhawks just strictly because I wanted the Maple Leafs to lose. So I was texting with you at the time. I'm like, man, if the Maple Leafs lose, we're going to have a full episode on just how bad they suck. (laughs) And it was two nothing. And then it was two one. And it was 2-2, and then they won an overtime 3-2. Seth Jones had a glorious opportunity. And that's the thing about overtime, three on three. If you get an opportunity, you better make damn sure that the goalie either covers it or you score. Because if you don't, and that goalie punches it out to the neutral zone, which goalies do now, you watch every overtime goalies, all they're trying to do is kick rebounds out with their blocker, with their pad, Anything, just get it done because they know, boom, you got a breakaway, you got a two-on-one, you got a three-on-one, and it happens every single overtime. Seth Jones gets the puck right in the slot, and he's all by himself, tries to go shelf, blockered it off the boards. Away we go. Matthews up to Nealander, breakaway goal, game over. The Leafs had no business being in that game. The Blackhawks outplayed them for vast stretches of that game, and they they were just on their heels the whole time. Justin Hall still looks terrible, just absolutely ter- terrible. Did Jake Muzzin got dangled by Kirby Dock. Like, just a a one-on-one through the neutrals on Kirby's show. Just turns him inside out. Muzzin falls down. Kirby goes short side shelf. It was a fantastic goal for Kirby Doc. He's really kind of coming into his own. But, you know, Chicago wilted a little bit. Jack Campbell played fantastic. Chicago had a lot of great a chances. Debrink had a breakaway. Johnny Taves hit the post. A couple other guys had a breakaway. Chicago was the better team. But Toronto, and this is what happens, Getting out of a funk a little bit. You need to win a greasy game like this, win a game where you didn't deserve to win at all. And they get out of it. They get their two points. They go on their way. Maybe this jump starts them a little bit. Austin Matthews played okay. You know, he lo- he was really ripping the puck on that power play. He was teeing him up. He looked good. But uh, we'll see what comes from this. I, I don't think it was a great effort from Toronto, but they get two points. They get the good feeling. Chicago loses, expected, but they played pretty well too, all things considered. You know, out of all the, the noise going around around Chicago, they they played pretty well. They still say winless on the year. They pick up one point, so that puts them at two. Good for them. They're not the worst team in the league. Arizona got just shellacked last night, not even close. But all right, let's let's move on. The Battle of Alberta. Not really a thing the last 10 years. You know, at either least, one team at, at least 15, 20. Edmonton's, you know, been okay at times. Calgary has been okay at times. It's slowly turning out this season to beat Tim. This, this is going to be a, an interesting rivalry this year. You know, Calgary's revamped their team. They, they switched their mindsets last year when they brought in Daryl Sutter. Everyone knows how Daryl coaches. Everyone knows the type of coach he is, the type of player he likes. He goes out, he gets Blake Coleman. Lucic's getting a little bit more ice time. He brought in some more physical players. He likes to grind it out. When he was with the LA Kings, you knew going into LA, every time you had the puck, you were going to get hit. You needed to score, you know, two goals to win the game because LA, they weren't scoring more than three. There was a very, they were a very disciplined team who played hard and you knew you weren't going to get much. That's the team we had in LA. Kopitar bought in Dustin Brown bought in. They had Jeff Carter, Richards, all those guys bought in. They were a very difficult team to play against. They had a big heavy defenseman with uh Robin Rich or Robin Regier was there. Yeah. They had um Matt Green, they had Dowdy was a heavy player, they had a lot of Muzzin was there, they had a lot of big heavy defensemen, and that's how they're kind of structuring their team in Calgary. And they have been fantastic. And the one common denominator, more than Daryl Sutter. More than, you know, getting some heavier bodies in that lineup, the the thing that I think that has changed in Calgary versus the last 10 years where they've kind of just, you know, they've had high draft picks, they've got good draw, they got Mangiapati, they got, uh, oh, who else do they got? Other great players. They finally have a goaltender who they can just plug and play. They haven't had a goaltender like that since Mika, Mika Kiprasov 10 years ago. The last 10 years, they've they've bounced around goaltenders. They've had um, Ramo and Hiller was there, and then they had Brian Elliott, Chad Johnson, Mike Smith, Dave Riddick. Uh, They they bounced around for Cam Talbot was brought in. They haven't had that guy that they knew that they could, okay, we're going to plug you in for 50-plus games, and we know you're going to be 1A. And that is y- Yaka Markstrom. He's a, he's a very 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 good goaltender. They pried him away from Vancouver. Vancouver wouldn't match the contract. He gets six million bucks a year, and he has been outstanding this season for the Calgary Flames. Absolutely outstanding. He started the year. What he's seven and zero. He's he's had a couple shutouts. They just had their best road swing in like eight nine years to start the season. Calgary Flames, slowly, Tim, are just the best team in hockey, and no one even expected it coming into this NHL season. Do, going back to the, the Battle of Alberta, who's the best team? Like, wh- Who do we talk about now in Alberta? Do we talk about Edmonton and their hot start? Or out Calgary, who all of a sudden is just, sorry, they're
1: not 7-0. Oh, what are they, 5-1-1? 5-1-1. One one? One one. Or yeah. something
0: like that. Well, it, this is great for hockey, no?
1: It's very good, especially, you know, if you're a Western fan, and especially if you're the old enough to remember the real battles of Alberta, it's really cool right now. They're sitting one and two in the division. Calgary's five, one, and one Edmonton's five and one, you know, Calgary's got a game in hand, but like you look at that division, it's it's so fascinating because like Vegas is still right there, but and you're like, you forget they're there because they're in sixth place right now. They're three and four, but we don't expect that to keep up LA and Los Angeles are at the bottom. So you kind of expect that Seattle, they're probably going to fade away. The The Sharks looks really good right now. They're probably going to fade away. So it could be that these two teams are up at the top of the division for the remainder of the season. And I hope we see what we used to see with like the Cassie and Lucid stuff, just like that hatred. Those fights could Chuck getting under people's skin, like the way those two teams, you know, we saw our flashes of it, like maybe two years ago, the last year or two. Of just how how good and exciting that team could be. It was much lost hockey. It was like stay up, stay up late on the East Coast to catch the first half of this game because it's just gonna be so much fun, rumble and tumble. And I think I don't know. I hope that it works that way, you know, for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I think it will. And just based off of what I said, Sutter, you know, their defense, their six is not an inspiring six. When you look at the names, when you watch how they play. It's not, you know, an exciting group when you look at them on paper, but the system that they're put in, the ways the, the forwards have been playing, it's, it's, it's usable. You know what I mean? Chris is' has been playing really well. There's no one else who's like that fantastic, but they got, they got a couple big bodies, good Branson and Michael Stone. They're big bodies who can lean on you a little bit. They're forwards. Listen, we said a year in and year out. They have a very good group of forwards. They really do. They just haven't been able to put it together. I don't know if it's because the system they've been put in, maybe they just haven't, you know, who knows? But when you look at their lineup, goodness gracious, they have a strong lineup. Their first line, Lindholm, Kachuk, and Gaudreau. You can match that lineup with pretty much any any line in the league. It's it's a very underrated league. Johnny Gaudreau, as he does every single year, has come out on fire. He's got 10.7 games, and he's the, he's the epitome of a playmaker. If you put him on the ice... He will make everybody he plays with better. He will he will get those guys on his line goals. He's got nine assists. Lindholm's got, what, seven goals. Kachuk's right there. It's a very, very good line. And then it just keeps going from there. Coleman, Backlund, Pitlick. That's a Daryl Sutter line. If I've ever seen it, you put them out there, they're going to bang up and down the ice. They're going to be responsible defensively. And the other team's going to hate to play against them. Then you got a, like, a little skill on the left side with Mangi Apani, Dylan Dubey and Brett Ritchie, a big body. He has a big body on every single line. It's, I don't know, I just like Daryl Sutter. I like the way he coaches. And geez, when Sean Monahan's on your fourth line right now with Milan Lucic and Trevor Lewis, who's a vet, 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 he does everything right. It's a It's a pretty good lineup. And like I said, to start off this whole Calgary thing, everything starts from the back end. Jakob, is it Jakob or Jacob? I like calling him Jakob. I don't know why. It's a funner way to say Jacob. Jakob. It's more fancy. Jakob Markstrom getting off this road trip. I think they went 4-0 on this road trip, maybe 5-0 on this road trip. He gets two shutouts. They asked him, you know, how he think he played after the 4-0 win versus Pittsburgh where he had something silly like 35, 40 saves. He goes, yeah, you know... I grade myself a why if a is the best, it's like a why <laughs> you thought you played that bad and you got a shutout and you shut down the Pittsburgh penguins rightfully. Oh, sorry. It was a 45 safe shutout. It was, it, it's an Epic shutout 45 shots in a 60 minute game is insane. I'm no mathematician, but that's like almost a shot every minute. That's hard to do in the NHL when you only play 60 minutes and you give up 45 shots and he saves them all. And, you know, Pittsburgh's missing their top seven players, whatever it may be, but still 45 shots is 45 shots. And he might, might have a save of the year when he's he in the second period, he dives across and he stops O'Connor from Pittsburgh, who got a wide open net and his paddle comes sliding across. It's a, it's a great save. And Johnny Gaudreau is like, yeah, he does that every single night for us. He's been on fire. So he's the one who guides this team. I think the players know it. He's worth every penny that they paid for him. He was the guy that they needed. They've been struggling in net, like I said, since Kiprasov was their guy. And I remember playing against Kiprasov. He was solid. Markstrom is very similar to him. He covers up a lot of net. He's very big. He's you know sound. Reminds me of a Henrik Lundqvist a little bit. But Calgary's looking good. Are they better than Edmonton, Tim? What do you think? Who is the best team in Alberta right now? If you had to pick one, Calgary or Edmonton? I think the answer is obvious, but I think it's a lot closer than some people think. <laughs>
1: I mean, I I would go Calgary. They've won five in a row, but my question for you you is, like, can you knock those guys just the same as you're knocking Edmonton for being in a weak division, for having an easier schedule than most? Like, are they both mirages at this point?
0: No, well, no, I'm not knocking Calgary. I think they've been knocking
1: Edmonton, so can't you knock Calgary Calgary the same?
0: I think Calgary has exceeded expectations. I think they came into this season not expecting anything where Edmonton, I feel like everyone's ready to hand them the reins to the whole league right now, just because they've came out firing and they're five, one and zero. So I think the expectations for Edmonton were a little bit higher and yeah, I can knock both of them because that division is terrible. When you look at the wins that they've had, they are good wins, but are they playing really strong teams? Like how good is Pittsburgh when they're losing four guys, the devils are still not there I'm, I'm just going off of Calgary's last few wins the Devils aren't there yet. The Rangers is a pretty good win. They beat the Capitals, and then they beat the Red Wings. So they, they at least have played some pretty good teams. You know what I mean? So I will give them on their start, 5-1-1. and, one and one. They have a better start than the Edmonton Oilers, who have really only played one good team in the Vegas Golden Knights and beat them, and they lose last night, Edmonton. So, I gosh, I was going to say Edmonton's a better team, but now I think Calgary's a better team. You've, I've I've just changed my mind in a matter of two seconds, based on just based on five seconds of uh, digging, Tim. So yeah, I'm taking uh, Calgary, the best team in Alberta right now. I think that will change. I think over time, the defense in Calgary will be exposed a little bit. I think Edmonton, for as bad of defense as they have, it's still better than Calgary's. So no, that's that's what I think. I I I hope the rivalry's there. I think Cassian and Luchich will be fun. I hope that you know they can grind it out a little bit and go back to those old days when we saw like just fights and animosity and just hatred between the two cities because they do hate each other at the end of the day, which everybody loves. Everybody loves a little hate. But uh I don't it's a good thing Calgary's, you know, playing better because that Pacific Division is so garbage. They need to have you know some interest in it. It, can't, it couldn't just be Vancouver running away with it and Edmonton, you know, right behind them. It, it's nice that Calgary is making it interesting because no other teams have really stepped up. Vancouver has kind of been here and there a little bit. San Jose's had a couple feel good wins. Anaheim is you know playing okay, and LA has been atrocious. Like so, there hasn't been a lot of positive things coming from that division. So if Calgary can step up, be that third team, make it competitive for a few other teams, it's a good thing. You know, talking about a division, Tim, that has just been on fire. The Pacific, not not so much. What division right now do you think is the best in hockey?
1: Oh, there's no question. It's the Metro Division. I was looking at it this morning. Every single team in that division, John, every single team, all seven of them have a winning record.
0: No, they don't. Yes. Because there's eight teams in that division.
1: Are there eight teams? Okay, sorry. (laughs) Eight teams. Are there really? Uh, yeah, they all have winning records. The Devils are in last place in that division, and they're three and two. And most teams have played six or seven games; they've only played five. But yeah, it's just crazy how strong this division is by comparison. Like the Pacific we just talked about, they only have three teams with a winning record. The Central only has three teams with a winning record, and the uh, what's the other one? The Northeast, whatever, has has four. So the Atlantic. now Atlantic, yeah. So now it's uh, I don't know. It's just it's striking how strong this division is, and I don't know how long that can keep up, but right now, they're the best in hockey now.
0: I agree. Well, I think it all starts from the top, and what we talked about before we even came on the air was boy, oh boy, are the Carolina Hurricanes the real deal, and we talked about Vegas. You know, I I thought they were going to have the best record in NHL history. I have been sleeping on the Carolina Hurricanes because they have just been mowing down opponents, and unlike the Pacific Division, Carolina plays a pretty Pretty good opponent every single night. Last night they played the Boston Bruins. Who, Sam, you're an insider in Boston. They're a good team. You know they they bring it every single night. They have guys who are elite, elite players. I think they call it the the perfection line. They're on that team. They didn't get any goals. Did you know that? Not one.
1: Yeah, they're not looking good right now. They are not they're looking not looking good. But credit to Carolina though.
0: Carolina beats them three nothing. They go to Toronto. They beat Toronto four to one. They go to Columbus. Who? Is a very good hockey team this year for whatever reason. They've been playing really, really strong. Carolina beats them five to one. Montreal, four to one. They beat Nashville, three to two. They beat the Islanders, the Stanley Cup favorites coming into this season, six to three. So it's not like they're playing powder puff teams left and right. They're playing the who's who in the NHL, and they are absolutely just working them. We talked last episode about their goals, you know, goals for, goals against, how many goals they've given up. They're averaging giving up one goal a game. They're averaging up giving less than one goal a game. They are absolutely on fire. Freddie Anderson is looking like the best pickup so far in the NHL. How much does that have to do with how good Carolina is on defense and their forwards are very responsible? How good? How good is Rod Brindamore as a coach and his systems? He seems to be you know pushing all the right buttons and pulling all the right levers at this point. Sebastian Aho, who is is he? I know Connor McDavid is great. I know Leon Dreinsaitl, you know, is very exciting. Is Sebastian Ajo the best player in the NHL that we never talk about? Because I know he's not leading his team right now in points. Svechnikov has had a very, very good start to his season. But is Sebastian Ajo the best player in the NHL that no one knows?
1: Well, that no one knows. I don't know. But yeah, certainly one of the most underrated superstars in the league. It's almost like, you know, it took a few years of just elite, you know, dominance for people to finally start talking about Barkov. Right. Outside of Florida. Reminds me of that a little bit. Just a young player who's just dominating in all three zones. He's a leader on his team, putting up points, shutting down. I mean, he's killing penalties in addition to putting up like these heavy points. So, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say he's one of the most, you know, under under discussed stars in this league. For sure. And Sveshnikov, too, like he's tied for fifth in goals right now. It's six goals, only two behind uh, your boy Ovechkin. So this my boy, there.
0: well, that's going to that's not going to last long. Sveshnikov, I think, is going to score more goals than Ovechkin this year. But um, the great thing about Carolina is they have such depth. They don't rely on one line. They don't rely on two lines they contribute up and down the lineup. Usually when you look at the stats for a team, they have like four or five guys and it's very top heavy. When you look at the Carolina Hurricanes, it's a consistent, you know, they got Shveshnikov with 10 and it just gradually low, like gets lower. There's 10, 8, 7, 6, 5, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 2. There, there's no massive jump between, okay, that's the first line. That's the second line. And then there's a chasm and there's a third and a fourth line. Everybody is producing. Everybody's pulling the rope. They look really, really good. And I don't know what team can compete with this team when it comes playoff time. They're built for the playoffs. They have a good, solid, big defenseman, mobile, can move the puck. Down the middle, they're very solid. Very, very solid. I've said it for years. How do you win a cup? Down the middle and the back end. You were about to say something. What What? What are you going to say that I'm going to rebuke and embarrass you to our millions of fans? Be careful. <laughs>
1: I was going to ask, are you worried about Freddie Anderson's performance in the playoffs like we've seen in Toronto?
0: Um, well, they have Antti Ranta, who technically is maybe their starter. Maybe he's just as good. But no, Toronto, it's the it's Toronto curse. We saw it with Jack Campbell. They, they, they replaced Freddie. They brought in Jack Campbell. Same thing happened. Still lost in the first round on Montreal. So it has nothing to do with Freddie. What's going to be great is Freddie's going to come here and he's going to win a Stanley Cup. And then he's going to go watch football with Austin Matthews with the Stanley cup sitting next to him. Cause that's what they like to do. They like to watch football those two. So I don't think it has anything to do with Frederick Anderson. I, I actually, you pull up the tapes. I always said, Freddie Anderson is a great goaltender. Did I not? Yeah, you did. You did. That, yes, I did. I've always liked Freddie Anderson. I always thought he was the backbone of Toronto when he was there, he didn't get any press, because people would just focus on his... He would let in a soft every once in a while, but he would also have amazing saves and amazing nights. Yeah, he had one down year where he didn't play up to Freddie Anderson's standards, but he was a very good goaltender in Toronto, and I think he's showing it here in Carolina where he has a decent defense in front of him, but I, I don't think it's... you know In Toronto, I don't think it was Freddie Anderson. It's just Toronto. They're a very bad defensive team. They've been that way for over a decade for whatever reason. The GM, the president whoever runs the Toronto police, they hate signing good defensemen. I don't know what it is. It's like whenever the off season rolls around, it's like, okay, which defenseman has the biggest question mark on him? We're going to get him whenever we're going to give him a lot of money. And then, and then we'll just blame it on him come playoffs because he's the problem. It, It drives me nuts. When I look at Toronto and they can't figure that out. It's like Edmonton too. I don't understand. Maybe there just aren't a lot of good defensemen to go around and these teams just can't get them. But when you look at Carolina, they, they have a plethora of defensemen every single year and they're overflowing with riches. They trade away Justin Falk, they trade away Dougie Hamilton, and they still have a cornucopia of defensive goodness on their table, just sitting in the middle of their table and everybody's staring at it salivating because how did, they, how did they get this massive abundance it's it's a Thanksgiving themed defense analogy. Can you sense that, Tim? I'm gearing up for the turkey day. But when you got Jakob Slavin, they go out and poach Ethan Bear from Edmonton for Warren, don't call me McLovin Fogle. Like, it, it's unbelievable. Now he's on, on their first pairing. How bad does that look for Edmonton? It's just, that's uh, another show for another day. Brady Shea, Brett Pepsi, Ian Cole, and Tol- Tony Delangelo. Like, it's just, it's it's a great decor and they get Delangelo for absolutely nothing from the Rangers because they didn't want to touch him. So it's it's very amazing that Carolina can go out and just make chicken salad out of chicken poo from somebody else's, you know, leftovers. And they bring him in, left Thanksgiving leftovers, and they bring him in, they tidy him up and then you got, you know, a great meal the next night. So I like him. They got uh, Ajo Aho Trochik. Trochik is another guy who is just very underrated. He goes out there, he plays solid hockey. They got Jordan Stahl, the ever ready Energizer bunny who just seems to play forever. And they got Derek Stepan, who I played with when he was with the Rangers. Did you know he's got the Ryan Getzlaff syndrome where he just went absolutely bald when he's like 20 years old? It's unbelievable. But Derek Stepan, one of the nicest guys I've ever met, absolutely beautiful wife, like great, great couple. If you would see him and you didn't know he was a millionaire, be like, what? This, have you seen those SNL skits where it's like the guy's got the beautiful wife and then the reporter's like, how do you, you guys know each other? You're married? How does this work? So that's Derek. His wife's like gorgeous, but Derek's a great guy. I like the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't know how we got on this tangent. I just think they're the best team in the NHL. It's not even close. When you're, when you're talking about the Stanley Cup, it's Carolina. Carolina's to lose at this point. Colorado, you've seen chinks in their armor. Vegas has slowed right out to the start. The Islanders, they're, they're not the team that we thought they were. There was no other team. The Florida Panthers now have to deal with this Joel Quinville situation. Who's going to step up and be their coach? Do they hand the reins to Andrew Burnett, who I used to play with? I lived at his house for a while. Is is he a head coach now? All of a sudden, he was the assistant coach in Minnesota. He's the assistant coach now here in uh, Florida. Do you just give a guy a team that is a Stanley Cup contender and say, "Here you go, like here's your team, like don't ruin it"? You know, we have Stanley Cup aspirations. There's no other team that I think even is in the same category as Carolina at this point in the season, things can change, you know, but right now as it stands, after the first two weeks of the season, Carolina looks absolutely unbeatable and they are They're seven and seven and zero Tim, It's an amazing start. And they're doing it in a division that is the best division in hockey.
1: Again, they're not seven and zero, but yeah, they're looking good. They're looking very good.
0: So Carolina is not their six and zero. Sorry, but they will. Who do they play next? They're going to be seven and zero soon. That's all I'm
1: saying. They play the Blackhawks tonight. Actually, no, let me ask you this: Seven is Hurricanes, Hurricanes versus the Blackhawks tonight. Capitals versus the Coyotes. Does either of those teams get their first win tonight?
0: No, not a chance. Are you are you crazy? No, not a chance. Like I would be willing to bet, like one of my houses because I'm rich and I got a bunch of houses.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. What about Ovechkin? How many goals does he get tonight?
0: Gosh, he's going to get one versus the Coyotes. They, they have it a tro Like we talk about bad defenses in Calgary and a bad defense in Edmonton. When you look at the Arizona Coyotes, whenever I look at their roster or watch a game that they play, I physically get ill. I physically get ill and I barf everywhere and I pass out for a half an hour. And then I wake up and I thought, and I hope it's all a nightmare because they have a terrible team. And I know some of the guys in their team, which makes it hard. But even Jakob Chitron, Jacob.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's American. <laughs>
0: he has he, he just been – he hasn't had a good start. Strawman, who I played with, again, with the Rangers, guy's got to be 50 years old. You know, he doesn't look that great. Gosh bear, It's just like Dyson Mayo, the best name in hockey, because I love mayonnaise and I love Dyson it up. It's just like – Elio Lyub Shishkin and Victor Soderstrom. That's their, that's their starting six. If you're a forward, if you're Ovechkin rocking in in Arizona, you're just licking your chops. You're like, this is going to be fantastic. Their fourth line is brutal. Their third line is bad. I'm sorry, Andrew Ladd. Their second line, I'm sorry, you filled the thrill. It's not great. Their first line is atrocious. Their whole roster the only thing working for Arizona this year is they went back to their their old retro jerseys. They look great. So that old saying, look good, play good, it doesn't work because they look great and they're playing like garbage. So, yes, Ovechkin will score. And, yes, I am ready for the mean tweets. Um, I still don't think he's going to get 30, 35 goals.
1: Oh, you're moving the number now. You're changing it.
0: <laughs> 30, 30 goals. I don't think he'll get there, but, uh, you know, it's good. it's a good start for him. I enjoy it. I'm expecting him to hit the wall or get injured or something. <laughs> Banking on an injury, baby. Banking on an injury at this point. And then on the back, like, they don't have a goaltender, Arizona. Like, they don't. Name Arizona's goaltender right now, Tim.
1: Do they have uh, Aiden Hill? Or did he move? To, no, he's, he's in the Sharks now, right? Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Car- Who is it?
0: Karel Melka. Oh and, yeah yeah yeah. And Ivan don't say oh yeah. Ivan <laughs> <Yvon laughs> Pros, Pros Vitov.
1: Yeah, Ivans. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, Ivans. Oh yeah yeah. Okay him. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. They they're they're a, they're a bad team with no directions. They don't they better hit the jackpot this year when it comes to their drafting and scouting. I think they have three first rounders coming up. So, they're banking on the future. I get that. But when it comes to futility, they're gonna, they could push the record for the Washington Capitals. What was it, the 75 76 team or something, where they only had eight wins? You said they yep. could, they could potentially flirt with that, flirt with that record, which is insane. That's that's the definition of futility. Like, if, if they, uh in this day of parody, that was back when there was no salary cap 75 76, when you could just load up any team if you wanted. Now you can't because there's a salary cap. That's why they brought the salary cap in for parity, you know, to keep salary caps down so you can keep a player forever. Yeah, oh, this this is the worst team in all sports history if they lose that record, if they get that record. Excuse me. Ugh. Ugh. All right, what else are we talking about? There's some injuries, Tim. Let's, yeah, let's, just, let's chat about that, how it affects each team.
1: Oshie is week to week for the Capitals. He just had a hat trick the other night. So that, that's a good loss for them because um, he's, you know, he's an effective player. And then Drew Doughty out at least eight weeks with an injury, lower body injury. It's not looking good for him. I mean, you forget, he's still only like, I think 31 years old. Like he's still young. He's not like he's, he's going to be a slow recovery, but for the Kings that have already struggled, this, this is a tough one to swallow. And then Kucherov was kind of like that one that was, it sort of looked suspicious like two or three weeks ago when he was injured, everyone's like, okay, they're, they're cap navigating again. They're going to go get Eichel or someone like that and bring him back for the playoffs. But It is a legit injury. He's out for eight to 10 weeks, um, which is a loss for that team. Like it's too bad because it's one of the arguably the best player in the world, you know, probably not. But top five, whatever. And it's too bad we don't get to see him play every single night. He missed all last year. And now he's just he's out a couple more months, probably three months when this is all said and done. It's it's too bad for the lightning, too bad for hockey fans. that want to watch, you know, his his talent on the ice.
0: Yeah, there's nothing behind it. There's no ulterior motives or sneaky stuff. Like, they're just, oh, he's getting a surgery, but he's off in Russia, you know, wrestling bears. It's not like that. He's hurt. It's too bad for Tampa Bay. The good thing is they have a good enough team, maybe. Maybe. Could this affect their chances of making the playoffs, Tim? Honestly, they're sitting in fourth right now. Could Could this affect them? them? Tampa Bay. Right now, this is the thing that we're going to touch on. No, they're not in the Metro- metropolitan. They're in the Atlantic. Let's come on. So the Le- Leafs are behind them, the Bruins are behind them, the Canadians are behind them, and they're all showing signs of improvement. All three of those teams. The Bruins have, have been kind of teetering on five hundred all season. We know what the Bruins are. The Leafs are getting better. The Canadians are showing signs of life. The two kind of just wild cards right now are the Buffalo Sabers and the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings. Red Wings. The Sabres are 5-1-1. One and one. They're second place in this, this division. They got 11 points. They're playing really well. They beat the Anaheim Ducks in overtime last night. If they, and they do this every year to us. They do this every year. It's smoke and mirrors. They, they come out of the gate insanely hot. They did it last year. They did it year before. They did it the year before. The first 9-10 games, they're 7-2-1. and one. They're 8-2. They're 9-0, oh, I think they were at some point last year or the year before. And then they just completely crater you know, everything is gone and they just are the Buffalo Sabres that we all know and love. If these two teams are real, are the Tampa Bay Lightning in trouble with Nikita Kucherov being injured?
1: No, they're just too good. No, no. They, are they, they too be. good?
0: Do you truly believe that because their roster is a lot different than it used to be? Yes. They have a pretty good first line. They got point Kalorn, Sorelli can kind of plug in there. They got stamp on the second line with Pilot. after that. They're not the same team. They got Colden, Maroon, and Perry on the third line. That's not like a, an, a very inspiring line. They got Belmar and Radish and this barboulet kid on the fourth line. So it's not like you're rolling out Goudreau, Gord, and Coleman for your fourth or third line. Like you, you aren't going to find the offense there that you used to have. And Kucherov was an even bigger part of this team. I think that I think the Lightning are in trouble. I truly, truly believe that if Kucherov's gone for eight weeks like they said he is and if you wake up and it's january and you're still in fifth potentially sixth place i don't know man i would be definitely nervous if i'm uh Breezeball right now who's their gm it's it's not good it's not like the years past where you can just roll out this team and just let them run through the division has gotten better buffalo's improved detroit's improved you can see eisman slowly starting to work his magic friend of the show most siders been playing fantastic this year by the way not take not taking duff from anybody they're playing better toronto always good boston good montreal they're like i said they're going to be good and ottawa's not an easy out so I don't know. It would not surprise me when we get into the thick of things, when it comes Olympic break in February, if Tampa Bay is out of a playoff spot and they have to really grind it in to get into the playoffs this year, because things have tightened up in the Atlantic, Florida is going to run away, run away with it. Like we thought they would, but this is a bigger injury. I think than everybody thinks it's not like, Oh, you know, he's going to, you know, go on the IR and it's going to be great for Tampa Bay in the playoffs. That's if they make the playoffs this year, it's, it's a new year. Salary cap is a real thing. They lost a lot of players because of it. And we're seeing the effect of we won, we won, we won, now all of a sudden, guys got paid. It happened to the Chicago Blackhawks. It happened to the Pittsburgh Penguins. It happens to every team that wins the Stanley Cup. Now you're seeing the effects of winning those cups where we paid the big guys a lot of money. And now we don't have any money left to pay for the third and fourth lines and the fourth D pair or third D pairing. And it, and it affects you. So I don't know. Don't be don't be surprised in a couple months when Tampa Bay's on the outside looking in Tim. Now, conversely, speaking of those, no, go ahead. You are going to say something.
1: I, I still would be surprised. I mean, they're, they have they're behind Detroit in the standings, but they have the same amount of points. Like, who do you who do you expect to win more games over the next two months? It's, it's Tampa Bay. Come on, let's be real. And they're two points behind Buffalo, but like Buffalo is not going to keep up. We just said that. And and uh, you know Toronto's picking up. The Bruins are are going to be there. But yeah, I, I I could easily see Tampa finishing second in this division. You know, just well, second last. No, no. Come on, John. Be realistic. You're, you're, I you am. Have a... Okay. I, well. I am
0: being totally realistic now. With Kucherov being out, yeah. that's not the same team. That, that affects them more than any other player on their roster, him being out. You could take off anybody else. Doesn't have maybe had been. They have the same way. Didn't they win team. the
1: division last year without Kucherov?
0: It was a different division. Buffalo was way worse. No, Florida won the division.
1: Okay. Florida so won the division. Second.
0: second. Montreal wasn't as strong as they are this year. Buffalo was a train wreck last year. Detroit was a train wreck last year. So it was a completely different animal than it was this year. So I don't see them. If they make the playoffs, they'll be a fourth seed. My prediction. I'm usually right. I'm usually right. I usually am. But anyways, talking about, you know, the Buffalo Sabres, the Detroit Red Wings, there's been a lot of surprising teams in the standings. We talk about, how good the Sabres are with without Jack Eichel. They got rid of Ristolainen. They got rid of Reinhardt. They got rid of the starter in Linus of Solmark. He's gone. They've managed to cobble together 5-1-1. Cobble together one, one. The Red Wings, same type of deal where they don't really have, you know, a star lineup like you would look at when you look at the Panthers or the Lightning or the Leafs. Other teams that are doing pretty well, the, we have the uh, Anaheim Ducks out west. They had a strong start to the season. And then the Ottawa Senators looking pretty good. What is the... The best of these bad teams. And I, quotation marks around bad teams because it's still too early to know. But who is the best of this group, Tim, of the teams that are surprising everybody to date?
1: I think it's Detroit. I like the moves they made in the offseason. I like that young core that's kind of coming into its own. Dylan Larkin looks good. Tyler Bertuzzi looks good. We talked about Moe Sider. They have a good goaltender, good tandem, really, with with Grice and Neto, I'm butchering the name, or whatever. Yep, I, you know. Of those teams, I, I think of those teams, they're the one that I think is the most legit and most likely to steal a playoff spot. But ultimately, I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, in February, that none of them are in a playoff spot. But out of those group, that's who I like.
0: I agree. I think when you just look at talent, I think the one thing that the Sabres who will say on this list, I, I like how they play. I, I they seem to just be playing really hard under Granado. Or is it Donato? Why do I do this every episode? You said it right. I said both. Is it Granado? Granado. Tony Granado. Is it Tony? <laughs> <Man>.
1: <laughs> don't ask me your first
0: names. Come on. I, we gotta get this down because I keep embarrassing myself. They don't they don't have a lot of offensive talent like they're they're just a group of hardworking guys but they've been managing to score a consistent amount of goals Craig Anderson I don't think unless he has a as a Mike Smith type of season can sustain this they're, they're, they don't have Eichel; he's been out Casey Middlestad's been out Cody Eakin's been out the, all those guys are very competitive they will help this team out they've been playing pretty good I like Buffalo I don't see them having the drop-off like they have in years past just because they have a lot of guys who just work hard they go out there, they get the job done. Post has been playing well. Gergensen, who is you know was a first rounder, does have some talent. He's been playing really well. olofsson has got one of the most underrated shots in hockey. So, uh, I think out of these teams, yes, I agree with you. Detroit has the higher upside, just because they do have the higher end talent. They got the Dylan Larkins. They got Bertuzzi, who has had a very very good start to the season. I like this player. We'll see what happens when he has to go play in Canada. He's not allowed in. But Lucas Raymond. The youngest hat trick in Detroit history since I think I want to say Eiserman. So he's been playing great. I do think they have a higher upside. They're set up for for success in the years to come, and they're playing really well right now. You know, Mo Sider. He's he's a one A defenseman. He's proving himself to be the gem of Steve Eiserman's draft pick. Who he's molding this team around. It's cool. It, it really is cool how Steve Eiserman goes about his business and gets this. He steals nedakovich from Carolina. He's been playing really well. So. I like Detroit. They're a good team. They're fun to watch. They're fast. They move the puck really well. Phillips Zadina's been playing pretty. They, they they're fun to watch. They're they're a very fun team. I like the way they play. So good on good on Iserman. Who knew when he when he was coming out, you know, that he was going to be this guy? He was going to be able to just mastermind a construction of a team the way he has. And he did it with Tampa Bay, too. It, it's it's kind of cool that he was just like the guy. And he's so handsome. He just he does it all. It honestly is. Steve Eiserman, unbelievable! One of the most famous goals in NHL history, too. When he scored that overtime winner versus St. Louis, just just outside the blue line. You remember that?
1: Uh, probably. Not it's on probably every ahead.
0: NHL highlight, and he scores the goal, and he jumps, and he celebrates, and it's like the camera angles perfect where he lets it go, and it just whew, zips. I think who's the was it who's the goalie in it? St. Louis at the time? I can't remember, but yeah, great, great uh, job he's doing in Detroit. And the the scary thing with Detroit is. They're going to get out from a couple more bad contracts this, this uh, offseason, and he's going to have a lot of money to spend, and there's going to be a lot of good free agents out there, and he's going to Detroit's going to be a player to be reckoned with in the next two or three years. Don't be surprised, and I've said this a couple times this episode, if Detroit is sniffing for a Stanley Cup, not this year, but next year. That's how much money they're going to have to spend. That's how much good players are going to be on the market, and they're going to be out there, and they're going to be shopping, baby. And Steve Y is not one to just sit on his wallet. We saw it in Tampa Bay. He went out and he got all the players that he needed to make a Stanley Cup run. And he's got the same type of uh, itch to spend that he did in Tampa Bay that he has now in Detroit. So I'm very excited to see Detroit in the next coming years. And if Detroit does win the Stanley Cup in the next few years, is Steve Eiserman the best GM of all time?
1: Uh, yeah, of all time, I don't I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I'd have to think about that, but he's up there. Certainly, probably the best in the league right now. He's just so good and so handsome, like you said.
0: Here, don't, don't tarnish his reputation by just talking about his looks. It's disgusting. It really bothers me when you do that. <laughs> he does it with me too, everybody. Before we get on the show, he's like, Gosh, you look good today. My no, camp- I'm
1: usually saying, John, run a comb through your hair.
0: I don't even own a comb. Do you own a comb? Brush? I have a brush, yeah. I remember when I first started, when I first got in the league, all the Swedes would have flat, Flat irons, and they would flat iron their hair. What are they called? The <laughs> little, are they flat you know iron? Straighteners? straighteners. Yeah, they would do, not all of them, some of them. I was like, what are you doing? He's doing my hair. I'm like, that's pretty strange. I'm like, I don't even comb my hair. But hey, different strokes for different folks, Tim, I guess. that That's all I got to say. Some of us don't care about looks, others do. What, what are you going to do? I care a little bit. Not a lot. What else we got? We got to do our ads, Tim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you do the ads for us real quick? And then the We're not a very professional show. You know, we're getting there, everybody. But we still let things slip through the side. So go to DoorDash. Eat, eat food. Use their app. DoorDash.com or go to the app. Get some food in your, in your belly. What are the promo? D.D. In uh, Canada, DoorDash DD USA in the USA. Tell them we sent you. Gloves, it's just the US gloves. DD. <laughs> gloves DD US. Use the promo code and go get ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus slash NHL slash gloves. It's a it's a good deal. You know, and and we get a little pat on the back. That's our commercial. I don't know. just help us out if you want ESPN Plus. Just put gloves on the end, and we get a little props for it. It does, you know. It, it puts a little penny in my piggy bank. Tim's too. Tim's got a big piggy bank he needs to fill, right? Tim,
1: it's true. It's, it's true. we
0: just revolutionized the ad game right there, a complete afterthought, and it's going to be more effective because everyone's going to be like, "We feel sorry for these guys. We got, <laughs> they really need the help." So yeah, DoorDash, whatever promo code I said, and then ESPN Plus slash NHL dot com. Yeah, what is it? ESPN <laughs> Plus dot com slash NHL slash clubs. That's it. That's all I got to say. Anything else, Tim? You want to read some mean tweets or no?
1: No, let's, let's end this show. We need to end the show.
0: Well, thank goodness I remembered it. Because usually it would have been a disaster if I didn't. All right, everybody. I hope you have a good weekend. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate the support. Jam the like button, and we'll see you guys on Monday. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>